0: Hello, hello. Welcome to the Playoff P Basketball Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Just want to shout out everyone who supports, listens, follows me on Instagram and Twitter. Like, subscribe, whatever, whatever. I appreciate all the supports and thank you so much. Haven't done a podcast since November 26. So a lot, a lot, a lot has happened since then. It's almost as when the NBA season goes on, every week there's so much news so many things happening um it's hard to just you know get it all down and and do these podcasts every couple weeks or every week so hopefully you know this last stretch of the season I'll be doing more of these i always say that I just need to find the time and today i got to find the time so anyways i'm excited to do this um just going to talk about um the standings in the both conferences how close all these teams are how the trade deadline affects these standings going forward, and you know the contenders with these trades that made big trades. So I'll start off with the with the talking about the New York Knicks. So last time I did a podcast, the New York Knicks were they were either nine and twelve or ten and thirteen, and what I saw at that time from the New York Knicks in the season, I said, you know what, I, I like what the, I like what I see. I just think it it hasn't translated to wins yet. And you could go back to that podcast I recorded November 26. And, you know, I said I was optimistic about the team. And it was only 25, 20, 20 20-something games into the season. And, you know, we didn't have wins to show for it. And it's funny because I thought the Knicks' schedule in the first half of the season was going to be tougher than the second half. So at the time, 20-something games in – I'm like, okay, we're okay. We're only a couple games below 500, and we had a tough schedule. But with the way, you know, NBA changes every year, which teams are hot, which teams are not, which teams fall off, which teams, you know, they get injuries, whatever, whatever, and ended up being the tough stretch for the Knicks was the second half of the season, which we're in now. But since that stretch, first 20 games in, the Knicks went on an eight-game win streak to five-game losing streak, a four-game win streak to losing streak again when we lost Mitchell Robinson to now, before the trade deadline, we get Josh Hart from the Trailblazers for Cam Reddish in our first-round pick, and we're on a three-game win streak playing the Wizards tomorrow. The New York Knicks are 33-27, six in the Eastern Conference. Um, they have the 6th best offensive rating. They're a the middle-of-the-pack team in defense, but we know they're a better defensive team than the stats show but uh, dealing with injuries. So the most important thing for me about the New York Knicks is from that point where I did the podcast early in the season till now, almost 40 games later, 35, 40 games later, these guys found their identity. And at first, fans didn't like what they saw or the identity. And a couple of reasons I was so optimistic about the Knicks was in the beginning of the season it took time to adapt to Jalen Brunson but what I saw from Julius Randle was hey he changed his game and at the time I didn't I didn't think he was gonna blow up like he did in December and just start averaging 30 points 12 rebounds four or five assists You know, locking down defensively some games, most games, just balling out of control. And I didn't expect Brunson to take this big leap as well. So, watching them in the beginning of the season, I was like, okay, this is just an adapting period. You know, how I could tell is because these guys are still playing hard for the coach. Nick fans like to overreact. When we lose one, hey, they, the coach lost the locker room, whatever, and they're not listening to him. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. But when you add a player that's playing 35 minutes a game, who's brand new to your team, who isn't used to losing, point guard, floor general, facilitator, controls the game, controls the pace, it's going to take adapting to that. And I think even to this day, where the Knicks are at, where they're exceeding expectations, players are still adapting to Jalen Brunson being on the team and this new style that they're playing but one thing that's important is Julius Randle got it and Julius Randle made the all-star team and Jalen Brunson should have made the all-star team too hard to get two all-stars at the seventh seed at the time when the voting was in but you know the Knicks are kind of top heavy and they're run by two all-star players playing like top 25 top 30 players and yeah, I think both of them deserved it, especially with the injury reserves. Let's say Brunson gets in instead of Randall. I think Randall should have got in over Siakam as an injury reserve or over uh, who who else got – well, actually, it was only one in the East, but you know what I'm saying. Or, you know, I thought Jalen Brunson deserved that spot in the Eastern Conference as a reserve, even though Harden didn't make the All-Star team, Trey Young didn't make the All-Star team. And uh, back to the Knicks, when it comes to, like, adapting – I think R.J. Barrett is still adapting. So, early in the season, it's like, there's no way R.J. Barrett is going to continue playing like this. He was having a bad stretch. He was sick. um, And he ended up, you know, playing great. And a big reason the Knicks went on this eight-game win streak in December was because of R.J. Barrett playing so good, fitting in his role as a third option. And... I tried to tell many people last season, you know, RJ's homegrown, he got drafted by the Knicks, third pick overall, so the fans, they have high expectations for him, they want him to be handed the keys, some players get handed the keys to the team right away, but in my opinion, one, RJ's not ready, and two, that's not his, that's not what he's meant for, in my opinion, now, RJ stands and his fans will be like, no, you're wrong, Like he needs the ball in his hand a lot, and I'm like, listen. I saw RJ play 2020-2021, excel. He was a stud defender. He hit the three ball almost 40%, or I think at 40%. He shot the ball well. He defended. He was a slasher, getting buckets in the fast break, averaging 19. That was his best season, if you think about it. You know, I think that was his best season. So I think if he mixes that in, that season, and that role, hitting wide open threes, playing defense like a stud, putting all your effort defensively on the perimeter. Because you have Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, Hartenstein. You have these guys able to get the rebounds, outlet it to Emmanuel quickly or Jalen Brunson, and then you're running. The next pass is to you, RJ Barrett. You get a dunk. You get a layup. You get easy baskets. And I think that's what he did in December, plus shooting the ball well. You're getting wide open threes. you you You're getting, you know, You're getting shots. You're getting not the best defenders on you, you know? It depends what team we're playing, obviously. I'm not saying they're putting the worst player. They're not. They're putting good defenders on him, but it could be, you know, a lesser defender than what's on Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, for example, we had played the Nets and Mikel was on, Mikhail Bridges was on Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith on Julius Randle. You know, the next guy isn't as good as those guys, you know, even though they have a lot of wings, but, you know, and, you know, that's what I'm saying. RJ should have his way in that role, And then when it comes to the playoffs, so RJ played good. And then lately he's been in decline. So the most important thing for the Knicks moving forward is him and going into the playoffs. And I've been refraining from talking about the Knicks in the playoffs to other fans, to my, you know, to all of you guys on Twitter, because I just think it's a little too early and I need to see a little bit more. I'm not really that confident in a first round win from this team yet, yet. But I know what they need to do to get to that point to become a team that gets to the second round and or even takes a team in the first round to seven games and do or die games. And I think the first part of that is not playing in the play-in. So the Knicks are doing a good job. They're not in the play-in. They're half a game, you know, in that six seed, two games behind the fifth seed. And I think. When R.J. Barrett had that stretch in December, it was a good mix of what he did last season towards the end of the last season and a good mix of 2020-2021. First, it starts on defense. I think since Josh Hart came to the team, his defense has been better. R.J. Barrett, I think he's been putting more effort defensively. Um not saying he's been elite. He got, like, against the Hawks, which was the last game before the All-Star break, R.J. was getting cooked by, you know, A.J. Griffin, Uh, deandre hunter but then you know he made some plays defensively to get to get the ball back to force missed shots and yeah even if a guy's you know scoring on you and he's making tough jumpers you know you just got to keep fighting you got to keep making him making life hard for that player and that's what we don't see from rj consistently but we have since josh hart came to the team josh hart is huge he just puts the energy up you get a guy who has chemistry with jalen brunson he played he played basketball and that with the lakers with julius randle the guy's a stud he brings the energy up he brings the defense up he rebounds almost 8 rebounds a game at a shooting guard small forward position undersized the thing that worried me about the josh hart rumor when it was first rumored i said i didn't want him was hey he's a 30% three point shooter but i didn't watch a lot of portland trailblazer games and You know, he said it in the press conference after his first or second game with the Knicks, he said, hey, I didn't have the green light in Portland, and now I do. And that huge confidence has already made his three-point shot from 30% to 34%. And his career averages is 34% from three. And yeah, that's not like a sharp, sharp shooter. But something about Josh Hart is, from what I noticed so far, is that it seems like when you need that shot, he'll make that shot. And if we could get that by the playoffs, if we get that consistently, huge addition. Already, even without that, huge addition. He's already closing games for the Knicks, um, and and it just makes RJ Barrett and Quentin Grimes. You know, you gotta be on your you gotta be on your toes. You gotta be ready. You gotta be you gotta be you gotta be on your A game because if you want minutes in the playoffs, if you want to close games, if you want the ball, if you want to play alongside Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, two All Star. Playing at all NBA levels. If you want to be in that position with both of them, and get that spotlight, you got to work your ass off on defense, and you got to work your ass off for loose balls, and and do whatever you're asked to on on offense. Yeah, to some fans, the offense isn't the best. It's not free flowing, moving movement. You know, you go through two guys, and they create looks for you. But just because they create those looks doesn't mean you can't add whatever you have to add or doesn't mean you turn the ball over or take stupid shots or, you know, you know, go do what you need to do. And I know for a fact that Tibbs, as long as you're taking a high-value shot, Tibbs is okay with it. So if you catch the ball at the three-point line, why can't you drive into the basket, shoot a floater, whatever. Um, but these types of things make me optimistic about the Knicks going forward and they make me optimistic about the playoffs with the Knicks in a first-round series. And the most important thing is R.J. Barrett. And even if R.J. Barrett doesn't get to where I think he will get, like how, he, how he'll how play, and hopefully this 10-day break from the All-Star break, you know, rejuvenates him, gives, re-energizes him. Hopefully he worked, he worked hard and stayed, in, you know, he's not going to lose shape, you know, but, you know, stayed ready. Um, I think R.J. Barrett could be the huge difference. And I see, like... In December, when we were on that eight-game win streak, R.J. had big games. And we lost this game against the Bulls in December, but he had 44 points. And I think R.J. Barrett is capable of that in the playoffs. And I think that's the most important thing for the playoffs. Like, you want your stars to play well. You want Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson to play well, average 20, 25, and assists, rebounds, whatever, play defense. But you're going to need a third, fourth guy, fifth guy to have some stat lines in these games. One game, you know, like the best teams, they have a guy, a different guy, or the same guy, or two guys step up in different games. Hey, game one, you didn't have it, RJ, but Josh Hart had 15 points, 15 rebounds, three, four assists. Hey, Josh Hart missed every three 0 for 6 in game one, but RJ Barrett made four for five from three, and then RJ Barrett stepped up the next game when Julius Randle – uh, you know, didn't play well, and R.J. Barrett took over in the fourth, and, and that's what we need. So it starts now. You have 22 games left. You don't want to be in the play-in, and no matter how this season ends for the Knicks, unless they miss the play-in, they exceeded my expectations. But right now, I'm changing my expectations. My expectations are for them to not play in the play-in, and if they don't play in the play-in, that's, that's a great season. If they get the sixth seed, fifth seed, That's an amazing season, and then we move on to the next season, which is the 2023 playoffs. So overall, just to recap what I've been saying is the Knicks found an identity. Starts with Coach Tibbs, starts with the front office, bringing in players that fit this identity, Quentin Grimes, Josh Hart. Took Julius Randle, adapt your game, play for your team. You have that winning style in you. Use it play to your advantages, high-volume threes, rebounds, on-ball ISO defense. Um, you know, be confident with the ball in your hands on offense. And I think that's a big thing. We The Knicks found an identity. The second thing is Julius Randle unlocked himself with the help of the coaching staff, with the help of his family, with the help of the fans supporting him, with the help of Jalen Brunson calming him down, Couple months ago you could tell me Julius Randle doesn't do anything in the fourth quarter. He's a zero in the fourth quarter. He might be a negative in the fourth quarter. That changed. That changed. Starting in December when those wins, he, you know, six free throws in a row against the Pacers. Clutch time. Ended the game. Gets a big block against the Pacers again. Hits a three here and there. His performances weren't great in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, the Knicks got to the hardest part of the schedule. Without Mitchell Robinson, he closed out against the Cavs. He closed out against the Celtics. Helped close out against the Heat. Um, The Sixers clutch shots against the Sixers. But just because it doesn't quote-unquote clutch under five points, under five minutes, fans will use it against him. But we know damn well he's been improving in these moments. And the last thing for the Knicks, R.J. Barrett, we need you. Step your game up. One thing I didn't talk about, though... Obviously, we get Mitchell Robinson back. Emmanuel Quickly is so important to the Knicks. And I, if there's anyone I have confidence in, no joke, number one person I have the most confidence in, it's an Emmanuel Quickly for the Knicks. He does it all. He does it all. He, he, he scores. He's an elite defender. I'm hoping he gets the recognition he deserves at the end of the season. I don't want him to win sixth man of the year. Well, I do, but I know that's going to Norm Powell but i think he is a it should be a lock for all defensive team maybe not first team but he should be a lock for all defensive second team the advanced analytics are all in his favor there's a bunch of stats that say hey you know this guy his defensive field goal percentage um per 36 raptor whatever wins over uh, wins above replacement the guy does it all defensively and on top of that his offense is getting going he's been averaging Almost 16 points, 15 points a game the last two, three months. This next 22 games, he's going to keep doing it. He earned Tibbs' trust. Um, I know some fans are talking about starting him over Quentin Grimes, who's been struggling offensively. I don't think you do that until you get to the playoffs. If you get to the playoffs and you're down 0-2 and Quentin Grimes is not giving you what you need, then you change it up right there and then. You throw the other coach off. You throw them off. You don't want to do that now, and then you can't do that in the playoffs and throw another coach off. You know, you got to – how I think of it is a lot of NBA coaches, a lot of NBA coaches, you know, especially for contenders, like the best teams, top four, top five teams, they're not showing their hand with 20 games left. They're waiting to the playoffs. They're not using all their schemes, even if they're playing another top team, because they know if they face this team in the playoffs – they want to throw them off guard. They want to show them something they haven't seen before. And and I think that's what you're going to see from a lot of teams, and you're going to see that from the Knicks too because we have a good coach. And that's all i got to say about the Knicks. On to the next thing. I was going to talk about the Clippers, but I'd like to talk about the trade deadline and then move on to how it affects the Clippers. So I have this sheet printed out. I'll just be going through each team, and I'm not gonna go trade by trade and say which you know all the details of the trade. I'm just gonna go team by team, um, alphabetical order from the team name, not the city name, and uh, just tell you what happened in the trade deadline. Crazy trade deadline. The 76ers got Jalen McDaniels. Okay, Milwaukee Bucks Jay Crowder from the Suns, Boston Celtics Mike Muscala. Clippers, Eric Gordon, Bones Highland, Mason Plumley, And from the buyout market, they received Russell Westbrook. Wow. Crazy. Memphis Grizzlies, Luke Kennard. Atlanta Hawks, Sadiq Bey. Knicks, Josh Hart. Lakers, big trade. The Lakers are playing right now. I think they're winning. Lakers, big trades. D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Mo Bamba. They also acquired Rui Hachimura from the Washington Wizards. Um, these are, one is one full trade, three-team trade, and one is a separate trade. Um, Dallas Mavericks, Kyrie Irving, I just found out they got Justin Holiday as well. He hit five threes today, so that's a, another bench piece for them. The Brooklyn Nets, they blew it up. And I just want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets right now. Like, I'm kind of a, sickened to see, like, NBA fans and even nets fans like applauding Brooklyn like yeah man you traded Kyrie Irving you traded Kevin Durant and you got this you got a nice package for both for Kyrie Irving the nets got Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie and one first round pick then they decided to trade Kevin Durant days later after it was rumored he wanted them to make a move for Pascal Siakam we don't know if that's true or not he wanted them to make that move they they said hey we'll just help you get out of town we'll take you where you want We'll trade you to the Phoenix Suns. We'll trade you and TJ Warren for mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, four first-round picks. Back to the Nets. Why are we applauding them for trading two all-stars? My bad, superstars. At their best, Kyrie Irving is a top 10, top 15 player at his best. So when you're that good, any night given, you could be the best player on the court, even if you're playing against top five guys. Kevin Durant, arguably the best player in the world, arguably top three, top five, you know, top five player, balling out of control. He was the MVP candidate, top five MB, MVP candidate before he got injured. Kyrie Irving was having the best season, maybe one of the best seasons of his career, Kyrie Irving had. And both of them were named All Star starters. So you traded two All Star starters for zero All Stars. Okay, you got five first round picks, but Houston owns all your picks. They own all your picks, so tanking wouldn't be smart. Okay, Sean Marks, Josai. They say they're gonna retool. They're looking to compete. They're the fifth seed now. The Nets are gonna make the playoffs. The Nets have a good team. They have now they're deep as hell. So they got Mikael Bridges. They got Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson. These guys alone, that's a solid a solid core. They're doing what the Utah Jazz did with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, but Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert got a bigger value than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now, this is what ticks me off. They could have won the championship with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They could have just gave Kyrie Irving a max contract, traded Ben Simmons for somebody, Maybe for Dorian Finney-Smith. Traded Ben Simmons. Get someone on the buyout market. Whatever. Make another trade. I don't know. Stack up for the playoffs. You got Kevin Durant. Healthy Kyrie Irving. Both of them healthy. Ready to play. You got role players that have been playing you their role. They were like only a couple games back of the Cavaliers. Cavaliers lost tonight. So they would only been. I think they're like one game back right now of the Cavs. But imagine if they didn't trade Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they might be the fourth seed only a couple games back of the 76ers. So you traded your championship window, and you closed it, and now you're not winning the championship this year. You have a cool team, and NBA fans are going to applaud the Nets because they have players that are easy to root for. Mikel Bridges, I love the guy. I think he's going to be an all-star very soon. He should have been an all-star last season, should have won Defensive Player of the Year last season, so that guy is that guy's a stud, Dorian Finney-Smith. I thought he was all defense last season. So that's another great defender, Cam Johnson, young guy um, who's who could star in his role, shoot threes, play good defense. Dinwiddie could give you twenty twenty five points a game. So their team is good. They got some draft picks, uh, and they're they're gonna, like NBA fans are gonna want to root for them now because they're the underdog. But I just was just surprised to see everyone applauding them for making these moves and they they traded away at a championship. So I'm a Knicks and Clipper fan. Let's go to the Clippers. If the Clippers traded Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the middle of this season, which is that's what it was. If you trade Paul George and Kawhi and I'm a fan, I'd be pissed as hell. Who cares what drama they have? Who cares what the on-court chemistry, whatever, 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 like, you you have a window to win a championship. You just let it play out, man. Because in that case, hey, the Bucks. If this was the case with a lot of teams, then a lot of teams wouldn't be champions, right? When the Warriors... The Warriors could have blown it up after Kevin Durant left and after they won, what, less than 20 games in the season? They didn't. And people were saying, oh, Steph Curry... This is a long time ago. They're saying, oh, Steph Curry's going to want to leave... Because they're not building around him, or they're, and look, look, they won the championship. You stay patient, you stay the course, you don't let, you don't let, you don't let these bluffs, you don't, you don't get bluffed out. And that's what the ownership and the general manager, Sean Marks, that's what happened. They got bluffed out by James Harden. They could have just kept him, they could have just kept James Harden and just said, hey, play in the playoffs, we'll deal with it in the offseason. They could have just kept Kyrie, Kevin Durant would have got him to play. Hey, just don't trade them. Anyways, they did it. It's past that. Congrats. you got They got some nice players now. I'm just saying, I would never want my team to punt that away. Especially when you had James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. They only played less than 20 games together, and you just got rid of it. And look what now. Look, Ben Simmons, supposedly, is out of the rotation now. So, I don't know. The Knicks run New York now. Anyways, the next team, the Nuggets, they picked up Thomas Bryant. The Pacers got Jordan Noara and George Hill. The New Orleans Pelicans got Josh Richardson. The Pistons, in that three-team deal, which sent Sadiq Bey to the Hawks, got James Wiseman, and that sent Gary Payton II to the Warriors, who might be out for the season. The Raptors traded the first-round pick and Kem Birch for – Jacob Podel, if I said his name wrong, I'm sorry. Um, the Spurs also acquired Devontae Graham for Josh Richardson. The Suns, besides Kevin Durant and TJ Warren, they added Darius Basley. They traded Dario Saric for Darius Basley, a young player who I don't think is like that good, but he, he does some things pretty good. I think he's really active defensively. Um, just the insurance, whatever, um, you know, I'll talk about the Suns in a second, but basically they, they're they stacked. You know, they got Kevin Durant, but they're either, you know, Kevin Durant's either going to play the three or the four, and then that three or four, you don't have Mikel Bridges anymore. It's either Torrey Craig or Josh Okoji, and I don't think those guys are starting caliber players on championship teams. But you have the stars around them to, you know, overcome that. The Timberwolves... Trading D'Angelo Russell in that three-team deal, they got Mike Conley back, and they got Nikhil Alexander-Walker. The Blazers got Cam Reddish and Matisse Thybul. and I already said the Warriors got uh, Gary Payton II. Uh, buyout candidates, I had this on the list, but Russell Westbrook signed with the Clippers, Reggie Jackson to the Nuggets, John Wall's a free agent, Danny Green to the Cavaliers, great pickup, Patrick Beverly to the Bulls, solid pickup, even though they're just a playing team. Um, Will Barton, uh, I think he's going to – I think – I forgot they he uh, – he hasn't signed yet, but he's, go- he's going to sign. Sergi Baca, uh, not signed yet. Terrence Ross to the Suns, great move. That's a solid, solid move. Kevin Love, big name to the Miami Heat. Um, it was rumored that the Cavs didn't want to buy out Kevin Love because they didn't want him to go to the Heat. The Heat are a half game behind – the Knicks, and they're thinking, hey, we might play this play this team, or they might take our spot in the fifth seed. Um, but they ended up doing it. They granted Kevin Love's wishes. They announced they're going to retire his jersey. So congrats to Kevin Love. He's on the Heat. I think he could help them big time. Um, a lot of NBA players and analysts think this is a big time move. Um, Tristan Thompson said yesterday on Sports Center that. It's the second biggest move besides Kevin Durant to the Suns. That's pretty wild to say, but you know he obviously sees some like a huge impact with Kevin Love and and the Heat fans that I follow on Twitter are saying similar things. You know finally they got someone who could shoot the ball consistently next to Bam, who could also rebound well. Um, Kevin Love isn't the best defender anymore, or even if if he ever was, but I guess the Cavs didn't like the way. He played PNR defense on uh, guards. Um, just basically Ole, defense, get past me, easy layups, whatever, whatever. Um, and I also have uh, on the buyout market New Orleans Noel. So I think it's hard for me to see um, John Wall get signed anywhere. But maybe the Grizzlies or or... You know, I'm just I'm just guessing. Will Will Barton maybe the Grizzlies? I think the Grizzlies need a scoring punch. I said that on my Twitter earlier. Oh, they need a scoring punch off the bench. So that's the trade deadline. It's absolutely wild. Um, now to the Clippers. Before the trade deadline, I was not so high on the Clippers. I felt like the Clippers could beat anybody, could lose to anybody. They still have to play consistent, like you know, got to play at least forty, fifty games together. I wanted sixty guy, sixty. Game. I wanted sixty games together with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and the rest of the team. Um, so far, it's been thirty-four games Kawhi Leonard's played, and I don't think Paul George has played every game with Kawhi Leonard. But Co- but Paul George has played more games than Kawhi. So about thirty-something games together between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, and they, to me, maybe I'm biased, the Clippers had an A-plus trade deadline. The teams that I think won the trade deadline, obviously the Phoenix Suns, the Mavericks getting two big stars. I think the Lakers did a good job of just um, making their team a, a, a playoff team, play-in team. You know, they didn't want to miss the play-in, so, or playoffs if they make that. But I don't think they'll go that far. I think they'll make the play-in and, and get out of the play-in alive. And get a get a first round series against uh, Denver or Memphis or maybe Sacramento. Uh, I think most I think they'll be out the first round. But anyways, um, so that's Mavericks, Lakers, Suns, and then the Clippers. I think those teams had the best trade deadline all in the Western Conference. Bad news for the Nuggets. Bad news for the Grizzlies. For the Nuggets. They're pretty much already good enough. The Nuggets, as is, are good enough to win the championship. Nikola Jokic, Jokic is, the, is basically the MVP. He's going to win back-to-back-to-back MVPs. Jamal Murray is playing at a fringe all-star level. Aaron Gordon, all-star level, role player, just doing everything, locking people up, having a career year. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, a former champion, shooting lights out from three, I think I think the Nuggets bench isn't that good. You know, they got Reggie Jackson. They traded Bones to the Clippers, which I was surprised. And they got Reggie Jackson, so I don't know about their bench, but I'm trying to think if anyone's injured. Maybe the Nuggets pick up um someone on the on the buyout market again and just stack up. But like I'm saying as is Michael Porter Jr. as well on the Nuggets. They're they're good enough, so I don't think Nuggets have to be. Well, actually, yeah, they have to be worried about the other teams that made big moves at the deadline. Um, but I'm saying they're good enough where it's like it shouldn't. They shouldn't lose sleep over it. The Grizzlies, they should lose sleep over it. And you know, that infamous interview John Morant on ESPN says, "Hey, I'm not afraid of anyone in the West. I'm just afraid of the Celtics." But it looks like. John Morant has a lot to be afraid of in the Western Conference. Um, I like the Grizzlies. I love the talent. They had two All-Stars named to the All-Star team, obviously John Morant. And Jaron Jackson Jr., which was a surprise to a lot of us. But, you know, he's so good defensively, he deserves it. And, you know, he's not not terrible offensively. He has a good offensive game. I think, you know, so he deserved it. Um, And I think they have a lot of talent but they're missing something. And is that something Desmond Bain, who could have also made the All-Star team? It's not Dylan Brooks, who has horrible shot selection. Um, they give him the green light, which is wild to me. Um, Luke Kennard didn't play tonight in a loss to the 76ers. They have a solid bench of like good players that like play both ways, but like. They need that Norman Powell off the bench. They need that Jordan Clarkson off the bench. They need, you know, even Terrence Ross went to the the Suns. They need someone off the bench that could consistently put up 10 to 15 points a game and then possibly, in a playoff game, put up 20 to 25 points a game. Or not a game, just in a game and help you win that game. So I think the Grizzlies have a lot to be worried about. And back to the Clippers... Clippers stars are healthy. Kawhi Leonard's healthy. Kawhi Leonard's playing at an all-NBA level again. Kawhi Leonard looks like a top-five player, easily. Said it before the season. I thought Kawhi would show everyone why he's a top-five player again. To me, he's the best player in the world when he's at that level. I I truly think he is. Um, And it took him a while to get there. But, you know, patience. And we knew that. He's coming off an ACL injury. He took a year off. Um, but he's finally looking good. It's just, it's just a real joy to see Kawhi Leonard on the court, playing at this level, playing defense at a high level. And then you have Paul George. Clipper fans are majority of them are like, hey PG, you need to do more. You need to score more. You need to be more aggressive. Less turnovers. You know, more, more, more shooting. Better shooting. Be efficient. Um, I think Clipper fans are overreacting about Paul George. The main reason why is because last time Paul George was in the playoffs, he showed up. He showed up. He's gonna show up again, and we talked to someone about this on Twitter. One of my favorite Clipper followers, um, his name is Jamal. He's like, I love the way PG, you know, plays in playoff games because he'll he'll do all the dirty work, and that's what PG is doing today in the last game, and he's gonna do it tomorrow. He gets rebounds. He plays elite perimeter defense, and I think those things are just that's what winning things. And Paul George to me is a championship player, and he's just missing a championship. And I think after this trade deadline, this is this is the season for the Clippers. Uh, And if not, I think next season too, as long as they're healthy. I think the Clippers window is about you know maybe two, three, four years. Um, I think four. I'm being a little too optimistic. Maybe two. A season, this season, next season, and then a third season. But who knows what the NBA these days. Anyways, I, I'm talk about this season. So they traded for Eric Gordon. They got Mason Plumley. Finally, they got a backup big man to back up Zubok. And hey, if Zubok isn't playing well, Mason Plumley might close out games. Mason Plumley might be inserted into the starting lineup in the playoffs. Clipper fans are already saying, hey, start Plumley now, Zubok off the bench. No you're going to do that you wait till the playoffs eric gordon i thought eric gordon was good and i'm like okay finally he's out of that horrible environment in houston um the last two seasons and he's been waiting he said it in an interview he's just been you could tell he's been yearning for this moment he misses playoff basketball he misses high intensity basketball that matters why because he shows up He's much better than I thought he was. And I think a lot of people are surprised after seeing him play with the Clippers for, I think he's only played two games. The, the, sec- the last game he played with the Clippers, he, he gave Devin Booker fits defensively. He played elite defense on Devin Booker. Unreal. Um, offense, he could do anything. He could, he's, a, he's, a good, he's a good, he moves the ball. He could shoot threes from so f- deep. Uh, he, he's, just, he's an amazing player. Uh, Bones Highland is a, I guess he's going to be a project for the Clippers. They're taking him under, and from the rumors is Bones had some issues with the Nuggets, uh, issues with Jamal Murray. He said it's cap. Jamal Murray, I think, said it's cap. But I was hoping they're going to bring Bones in and he's going to have a role as a backup guard. And I thought, you know, Bones played in the playoffs last season, so he's played in playoff games. But I don't think they're going to have him do that. They're going to develop him this season. And the reason why I say that is because the Clippers took a risk. They signed Russell Westbrook. I think I said that earlier. They signed Russell Westbrook. So I'm optimistic about Westbrook. But if you take away my Clipper fandom, the worries about Westbrook on the Clippers, they're valid after seeing what he did with the Lakers. But already seeing videos with Russell Westbrook at practice, smiling, smiling, He said in a press conference that he's happy to be in a place where people wanted him. Paul George publicly saying, I want Russell Westbrook. I hope he hears this. Nicholas Batum, I want Russell Westbrook. It would be a joy to have him. And then so other teammates. uh, Reportedly, Kawhi signed off on it. Ty signed off on it. um, And the whole team is excited for Russell Westbrook. There's a chance he starts tomorrow. And he's had some bad years, Russell Westbrook, lately. And he's had he's gotten a bad rep to his name. And I think this is his last chance. And I think he's going to make the most of it because he knows what's going to be asked of him. He knows what they need of him. Um, and it's not crazy. They don't need him to be a superstar. They don't need him to be an all-star. That's what the Lakers needed. The Lakers needed Russell Westbrook to be a superstar. We don't need that. They don't need that in Clipperland. And I think that pressure removed from Russ is going to help him massively. And I'm hoping for the best. It starts tomorrow. I, 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 I've never rooted for Russell Westbrook, I've never been a huge fan at all. I respect his talents, but I'm rooting for him now. And I said it in a tweet I want him to be legendary. And legendary, if he helps the Clippers get on this run, go to the Finals, go to the Western Conference Finals, he'll change the narratives just like that. Anyways, the last things I want to talk about is basically the standings. And this is the standings as of today before the games. Um, I'll start with the Western Conference since I was just talking about the Clippers. The Nuggets forty-one and eighteen. They won today, so forty-two and eighteen. They have a six-game lead on the Grizzlies, who are thirty-five and twenty-three. The Sacramento Kings. I think they're they're gonna win. The Sacramento Kings are thirty-three and twenty-five now. So the Sacramento Kings are only two games behind the Grizzlies um, in this for the second seat. The Clippers are 33 and 28. They play tomorrow. They're only a game, a game and a half back of the Kings, depending on if the Kings won or lost tonight. I'm not sure. Um, the Phoenix Suns are a half game back of the Clippers. They have the season series on the Clippers two one, but they play one more time. The Mavericks 31 and 29. Actually, they won tonight, so they're 32 and 29. That means they're only a half game behind the Suns as well. The Pelicans lost tonight. They're 30 and 30. That means the Timberwolves go to the seventh seed at thirty-one and thirty, Pelicans thirty and thirty, a seed. Warriors twenty-nine and thirty, and then I guess the Jazz at thirty and thirty-one, the Lakers, Trailblazers, Thunder at 11, 12, and thirteen. I think the Suns are going to be the team to beat when they're healthy, but. It's hard for me to see them win a championship with 22 games left um, with a brand new team. With a... Literally a brand new team. Even though they still have Chris Paul, they have Devin Booker, they have Aiton. Brand new team. I think the defense drops off a little bit without Mikel. Kevin Durant is, an, is a two-way player. Kevin Durant can play elite defense. But... I think that was Mikel's role where he was just an elite defender and all he had to focus was that and shooting threes. Kevin Durant for this team to reach another level is not is not really gonna have to worry about defense much. He's gonna have to be Kevin Durant. He's gonna have to score twenty eight, thirty points in the playoffs. The guy will probably average thirty five points easily. Um, with the Suns, with Chris Paul. I'm excited for that team to be honest. I want to watch them play. I w- I'm not rooting against them. Like, I, like obviously, if they play the Clippers, I want the Clippers to win. But like, if they went on a finals run, like I think that's pretty exciting. Like, that's a good team. And people have their views, their narratives. They're not even like their views on Kevin Durant. Like, hey, Kevin Durant is a, like he hops teams. He goes, you know, he just wants to win championships. Um, and that does suck. Like, it's not like Michael Jordan or Kobe, Dirk, he's not going to grind it out in one place. So that sucks, you know, but the thing is, is I think his heart is in the right place. I think his mindset is in the right place where he wants to win. He wants to grind it out in one place, but he just hasn't been in that good environment. But then you're like, okay, you haven't been in a good environment. Then why the hell did you pick Kyrie Irving as your teammate? Why the hell did you force ownership to trade for James Harden? Why'd you force them to sign this guy and this guy and this guy? Like, why didn't you just play basketball? And and Kevin Durant to the world is like, hey, that's all I do is play basketball. And I'm gonna I'm one of the best in the world. But no, you're you know, you do what all star players do. And you and you know, Sometimes you just got to just focus on playing and, and, and you know, he made a mistake. Going to Brooklyn was a mistake for Kevin Durant. It was a complete failure. Complete failure. So, I like Kevin Durant as a player. I like watching him play. I'm excited to see, see the Suns. I don't see them winning this year. But I think next season, they're the team to be. I think they'll be favorites to win it. In my opinion right now, just an early prediction, I think the NBA champion is coming from the Eastern Conference. But, depending on who, the West is wide open. The Nuggets, Grizzlies, Clippers, Suns, Mavericks. Then the next team, dark, like, I wouldn't say, like, all of them are, you know, I would consider the Clippers and the Mavericks are dark horses, and I'd consider the Nuggets, Grizzlies, Suns as contenders. But that's just right now, that's going to change at the end of the season. Um now to the play-in. I think the Lakers. I think the Lakers are gonna have a tougher time than people think getting into the play-in. Okay, they they won tonight. They just won, but they're still. You know, they're a game back. They're they're a game and a half back of of the 10th seed. L- literally, they're 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 a game and a half back of the 10th seed and. Their goal is to make the six seed. They're not going to make the sixth seed. I know it, it just takes one win streak. I just don't see it. Even healthy. like I'm not saying this team, they're going to get injured. No, I think even healthy, they're not going to make it uh, that far. They're going to get in the play-in, though. I think they'll get in the play-in. I think, I think the Warriors, if Steph Curry doesn't come back soon, they'll be in trouble. Pelicans, if Zion doesn't come back soon, they'll be in trouble. I think the Timberwolves are locks. I want to say I think the Utah Jazz are locks for the play-in, and and they fight every team, but I guess they might just tank. They might just lose. But they still have Jordan Clarkson. They have Kelly Olenek. They have veterans with Laurie new newly named All-Star. And, you know, they might might want to make the play-in. I think it's up to them when, you know, they have a great coach, new coach, Will Hardy. So what I'm saying is I think the Lakers are going to have a tough time um, getting into the play-in. Getting out of it, if they get the ninth or tenth seed, I think that will be even tougher to win two games do or die. But if I had to bet on it right now, I think the Nugget. I mean, I think the Lakers were gonna get a, are going to get a first round series with the Grizzlies or the Nuggets. Every Laker game from here on out is much must watch TV. So I'm I'm excited for that. Anyways, on to the Eastern Conference. Before I finish up the podcast stream, I want to say that the Hawks uh, fired Nate McMillan. My views on this is Nate was, was on his way out. He wanted to, like, retire or whatever. He wanted to, like, basically quit on them in the middle of the season. But we know why he wanted to do that. We know why he was on the hot seat. And basically, he lost the locker room. He pushed the best player on the team to do things his way. Which, in my opinion, is just play defense, play play hard on defense, and, and be better. And then I guess Trey Young didn't take that the right way. And Nate McMillan got clipped after back-to-back losses to the Hornets and the Knicks, where they gave up almost 135 points per game, something wild like that. Um, and... Some awkward, some weird comments from John Collins in the in the press conference at practice today. He said Nate McMillan is better suited for an older team, and I just think that's funny because the Hawks are pretty young, but they're not like the youngest team. They're not top top youngest. Um, they they got guy like Trey Young's been in the league for what um, almost six years, and John Collins, you've been in the league for the same amount, or my bad, maybe okay five years and John Collins six years, so. Bogdanovich six years whatever so they've been in the league you know and they went through Lloyd Pierce Nate got him to the Eastern Conference Finals last year was a disappointment they got DeJounte Murray the expectations were through the roof um and and they they're not good they're not a good team I think possibly a new coach the the interim and if they do get Quinn Snyder Boy, do I love me some Quinn Snyder, but I think Quinn like like his jazz teams were better than this 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 Hawks team. I just think the Hawks are going nowhere with Trey Young as the number one. Okay. You could maybe get another Eastern Conference Finals run. Like Trey reminds me of Damian Lillard, except worse. That that's literally what he reminds me of. Um where you're gonna you'll get some good playoff runs, but for the most part it won't be successful and and you know, I think, I think they're like, you know what? I think it's disrespectful to even compare Trey on to Damian Lillard. So that's my bad. Skill wise, yeah, almost they're they they're similar like talent level. They don't play the same, but um, you know, I just think Trey needs to be better. He needs to be a better leader. He needs to be mentally tougher. He needs to he needs to play defense. He needs to have his team follow in his footsteps, and that's what makes a good leader. And a lot of players, I mean a lot of fans think he's better than these players, but okay, maybe skill wise, talent wise, yeah, he's better than this guy, but this guy's a better leader than him. He's a better defender. He does the intangibles, you know, and that's that's the issue. So I know a lot of fans feel the same way as myself. Um, but I think this new coach that's coming in in term, or if Quinn Snyder comes in before the season end, I think the Hawks can make a run and get, you know, the seventh or eighth seed. But it's gonna be a first-round exit against the Bucs or the Celtics. And if they get the seventh seed, oh yes, yeah, so yeah, Celtics or Bucks. So they're not going anywhere this season, in my opinion. But let me go down the standings for the Eastern Conference. Celtics 43 and 17. Two games ahead of the Bucs at 41 and 17. The Sixers, 76ers, 39 and 19. The Cavaliers, 39 and 23. The Nets, 34 and 24. The Knicks 33 and 27. Miami 32 and 27. Hawks at the eighth seed, 29 and 30. Wizards, surprisingly, I didn't know they were here. 28 and 30. Raptors 29 and 31. Maybe they're ahead of the Wizards now because one game is added. 11th seed Bulls 26 and 33. Tied with them basically is the Pacers at 27 and 34. Or my bad, my bad. Bulls are 26-33. and 33. Pacers are 26-35. and 35. The Orlando Magic right under the Pacers, 24-35. and 35. So the Magic are probably not going to make a run at the play-in. I think they have good talent, but they'll be in the lottery. Pacers, lottery. Bulls. Whew. Bulls, Raptors, Hawks. That's four seeds. I mean, four teams. There's three seeds. Ugh, that's tough. I got to say... I don't know I I don't know I think each team has an equal shot I think no one is catching the Nets the Knicks or the Heat the Nets the Nets the Knicks and the Heat are going to get the fifth sixth, seventh seed whichever order it could be Miami five Knicks six Nets seven it could be Knicks five Miami six Nets seven it could be Nets five Heat six Knicks seven those three seeds locked in um the next three are gonna be the Hawks, the Wizards, the Raptors, I mean and, and the Bulls at eleven. So between those teams, I don't know. The Hawks just fired their coach. The Wizards lately, let me see. Their last ten. They've won six six out of their last ten. Um the Raptors, I think seven out of their last ten. The Raptors are on a three-game win streak. So they're they're all um striving up. They're going up, they're trending up. The Bulls on a six-game losing streak, but they they got Lucky Charm, Patrick Beverly, who makes the playoffs every season. Maybe he could help them um, make a boost. Okay, the top four seeds, I think the Celtics are going to stay number one, and I think it's very important that they do. I think it's also important for the Bucks to maybe try to go for number one, but Giannis is injured. We don't know how long he's out for. The Bucks. I think the Bucs are better than the Celtics, healthy. But we don't know if they're going to be healthy come the time, playoff time and come when they play the Celtics, let's say in the conference finals, or if they play the 76ers in the second round. Health is going to matter tremendously. I think the Celtics have no problem staying healthy. Uh, they got two young studs, Jalen Brown Jason Tatum. And if they do get an injury with like Robert Williams or you know Al Horford, um, they have death they have a lot of de- they're deep team and they could um, you know uh, they'll be okay. The Bucks, they need to stay healthy. I don't think they'll be okay if they get an injury. We'll see how they do without Giannis, whatever how, how however long they they're out with they're out without him. Um, 76ers got a very impressive win today against the Grizzlies. Um, I picked the 76ers to go to the Eastern Conference Finals and I think I just need to see Joel Embiid and James Harden take that step together in the playoffs, and that's it. It's on them. It's on them. Tobias Harris, also a big deal, but I think the other role players are going to show up. It's on them, and that's it. The Eastern Conference is a little more steady, like set in the standings than the West, besides the play-in, but the West, from 2 to freaking 13, or two, whatever, maybe not two to 13, but like, is so close. The next 20 games, every game is a, is a huge impact towards the playoffs. The last thing I want to do before I go is I want to talk about the all-stars and I want to congratulate those who made the all-star team. I'm just going to go through the list. Um, Giannis Anticapuco, Lori Markkanen, first time all-star, Donovan Mitchell, four-time All-Star, John Morant, two-time All-Star, Jason Tatum, four-time All-Star, LeBron James, 19-time All-Star, unbelievable, Um, Luka Doncic, four-time All-Star, Joel Embiid, six-time All-Star, Kyrie Irving, eight-time All-Star, Nikola Jokic, five-time All-Star, Bam Adebayo, congrats, two-time All-Star, SGA, first-time, DeMar DeRozan, Six-time. Drew Holiday, two-time All-Star. Damian Lillard, seven-time All-Star. DeMontis Sabonis, three-time All-Star. The Sacramento Kings got two, including De'Aaron Fox. Much deserved. Pascal Siakam, two-time All-Star. Yes, he deserved it big time. Kevin Durant was injured. Um, He was an All-Star. Jalen Brown, two-time All-Star. Anthony Edwards, first All-Star appearance. He's one of two All-Stars to play every game this season. He's basically led the Timberwolves all season. This guy's a big dog. I think he's a future MVP. And the next all-star to play every game this season is my guy, Julius Randle. Um, Two-time all-star now. That's a big deal. Paul George, eight-time all-star. He also deserved it. Tyrese Halliburton, first time. Jaron Jackson, first time. Um, Steph Curry and Zion Williamson were injured. All-Star game was horrible. I hope the NBA listens to the fans because the game is nothing without the fans. It was a horrible game, and I hope they change it. I hope they change All-Star weekend. They don't need to change the concepts or the events. They need to change the effort of the players and have them commit to the events, have them commit to the game, and, you know, just do a better job. And that's it. Thank you for listening to me. I'll be doing more of these streams, more of these podcasts. I'll be uploading this to Apple Podcasts. And um, I just want to thank you all for the support and have a good night.